Good afternoon. My name is Harold Lance, and I'm going to talk with you this afternoon about how to fund your project with ASI or improve your chances of getting funded. I want to give you just a little background. I've been involved with ASI for a long time, about 35 years and served as the president of ASI six years on three uh, different two-year terms. And ASI is a organization that is under the North American Division. It's a ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and it's not incorporated, but they have a child that's incorporated, and that's called ASI Missions, Inc. ASI Missions, Inc. is a freestanding Maryland nonprofit corporation that does the projects of ASI and I chair that board and have for a good while and so the 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 funding process that we use comes through ASI Missions Inc and then as a result of our recommendations we make a we make a recommendation to the ASI board and the ASI board typically accepts our recommendation and it becomes the funded projects of, the, of our convention. And so that's just a little brief outline of how those relationships work and how the list that you have gets there. Let me just suggest this to you. Uh, I don't want to have any discussion today about anybody's application. Those are confidential matters. And I'll be happy to talk with anybody about them privately and afterwards. I want to talk about concepts. And I want to talk about what we do, not what you wish we did. Okay, so that you understand the, so that you understand the process of, that we go through, and we can help you understand that process better, and more effectively present yourself to us. And so, if you don't have the two handouts, the supporting ministry guidelines, and the special projects funding application, if you don't have it, raise your hand, and we'll get it. We'll, we'll get it to you because you need to have that because that'll be something that will kind of guide our discussions. ASI does not have a reservoir of money that streams into us from which we allocate funds in a, in a way that results in our projects. Our funds that we're dealing with come to us in one offering once a year, okay? We're not, we're not uh, dealing with an endowment of a large pile of money here. The success of our offering tomorrow measures what we can do th during this coming year. And that's kind of scary because with the economy going up and going down, we don't know what's going to happen and, and nobody does. But uh, we have to proceed in faith. We have a little history that helps to guide us on what the likely situation is. But for the last two years, because of economic issues, we, 
we came to our conclusion about the projects that we thought we should recommend, but the economy is so uncertain that we deferred announcing that outcome until May, middle of May. And last year, uh, we had a one-day meeting in Colorado where we flew in from both sides of the continent into Denver Airport and reviewed the whole situation and, uh, and made some little adjustments in what we did. This year we deferred our decision until after May, until we announce it, because the economic realities are, are just that way. We get typically about 100 applications. I think this year we had 86. I, perhaps the high number is about 100, 110 perhaps. And they vary they vary from small requests of a few thousand dollars, two or three, five, seven thousand dollars on the low end, to multiple millions. And typically we fund about a third of those projects. Uh, except for the people who submitted the applications, a person looking at the pile of applications that we get, you would, when we, discuss with you the criteria and, and what we were looking for, about a third of those are just not in the running, really. For instance, if the, the best way to get your project rejected is to ask for $5 million. When we're having a anticipated offering of $1 million or $1 million two or $1 million four or five, something like that. And so, it may be the most wonderful, deserving, needful project in the world, but it's not our project. And so, typically, if you look at the, the uh, funding that we actually agree to and vote on, it's generally between ten and $75,000. The vast majority of the projects are in that range and mostly under fifty. And I'll talk with you about some of the big projects that ASI does and how that fits into the whole thing. But over the years, and, and going back about 30 years, when ASI started doing some projects, I remember the, in 1980, we had a, a ASI National Convention at Pigskill, New York. And uh, on Sabbath, we had about 125 people. But we raised $100,000 in offering, first time we had ever done that. And so, from that time until this time, we have, we have looked at projects in an increasingly more intentional way of, of defining what we're gonna do and what, what kinds of things we're interested in. And, uh, there are some what we call in-house projects, and you'll recognize these. The Happiness Books, did any of you get a Prophets and Kings when you registered? Well, that's an in-house ASI Missions, Inc. project. We started that project with Pacific Press about 1987 or 1988, something like that. And uh, we start out with five books. And... Several of our board people 
contributed to print 100,000 copies of each of those five books. Ministry of Healing was small and probably cost about 43000 And Great Controversy and Desire of Ages are much longer, and they probably cost about 80000 for the for the 100,000 run. And so that started that project, and it has perpetuated itself. Uh, we've distributed about 6 million of those books. We have an inventory of five or 600,000 books at the press. And we have more money in our pocket than we started with. It's been a project that has been self-perpetuating. That's an in-house uh, project, the DVD project. Do you know about the DVD project? That's an in-house project that was developed by ASI. ASI saw a possibility of a project that <clears throat> would equip lay people to do evangelism, and the money was put up to develop uh, several hundred thousand dollars, those lay, gra the, the graphics and the sermons and all that that has been a remarkable project for, for uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And uh, that project has gone on and on, and it is, it's an in-house project, and typically these in-house projects are part of the are part of the project mix. You, the Africa Roof projects, for instance, through ASI and and some of our members, ten thousand roofs were put on churches in Africa as a result of the of that project. And and the uh, picture roll projects. You know, when we were kids, we had the picture rolls. Well, that was redone three three four five years ago. 100,000 picture rolls were developed for third world countries. That was an ASI in-house project. And so uh, that's kind of in the mix as well. But um, we typically fund out of the approximately 100 applications, a third of them that, that are sent to us. We get uh, projects in an application form like this and we require and request certain information. One of the things that you probably, if I can say, as important a thing as any other sentence I'll utter, is that get it in by December 31. Because if it's January 1, you're not going to get funded. And we have to, at some point, say this is it. And so that's really an important thing. There's plenty of time now, and you can do it just as well early as late. And so we consider them in the sequence that they come to us. The number one application is the first one that reached the office at the North American Division. And the highest number is the last one that reached. And they go through exactly the same process uh, sequentially. But um, uh, it's really important to get your stuff in on time in English legible. The reason I say that is we get some that aren't. And uh, we have what's called overflow projects. You know in this in this convention we have three overflow projects. They don't get any any overflow money until all of the underlying projects have been funded. So we never know what that, it may mean nothing or it may mean a great deal. It may be um, depending upon the generosity and, uh, of the offering.
And so uh, overflow projects are projects that are kind of open-ended. One of the overflow projects that you'll recognize is the, is the one-day structures. Yeah. The, uh, let me just say that I'm going to answer questions at the conclusion of it, and, and it'll help if, if we can wait those. And uh, uh, the answer to the question was, that was a, a project last year, and the answer to that is yes, it was. And uh, all projects are not created equal. You understand that? Like all facts are not equal, you know. We're all equal before the law, but our, there are lots of things that are not equal. And so somehow in the process that we go through, we take these hundred projects and after they reach the office at the North American Division, we make sure that everything is there and then they're copied, and they're sent out. And uh, that process usually takes the first three weeks of January before they're all organized and s set up. We don't ask for any DVDs or pictures or whatever. Pictures are all right, but if you send a DVD, I can promise you it's not going to be looked at. Don't do it, and because uh, you know we got a level playing field, we don't. We're not set up to do that. It's not. You're going to have to, you know. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. You're going to have to use a few thousand words. <laughs> so, it, it your your DVDs, and your it's they are not going to be. It's not feasible for us to duplicate them and, and set them up. In the process of our evaluation, they, those projects come in and they come to my, my office and I spend about a month reading every application very carefully. And we understand what's in your application, maybe even better than you do sometimes. And sometimes the, the applications that we get, and there's no, we don't say anything about this. This is an application. That's pretty big. There's probably 100 pages there. Well, I've looked at every one of those 100 pages. And here's another application, and it's probably 20 pages. And so, you know, um, I'm going to give you some real clues as to what's important for us to look at. Size is not necessarily what we need. Uh, I want to talk to you a moment about what's called pre-funded projects because you won't understand our process unless you understand that. The, I'm going to use the example of the DVD project and perhaps the one-day church. Those are in-house projects. Some of the money that comes to some of the projects are pre-funded. And that particularly happens on in-house projects. 
at this point in time, our offering will be taken up tomorrow. And we have some idea of how that offering is going to come in. Because in the large gifts, and there are some large gifts that come into us, we know about some of that ahead of time. Let me tell you how it works out financially. Let's say that we have an last year our, our budget was about 1.3 million to divide among about 35 or 36 projects. Our offering came in at a little over 2 million. And so the difference between 1.3 and 2 was divided three ways into the overflow. Now, if, if that happens, and we surely did not know it was going to happen, I told you we met in Colorado and Denver on May 1st, because we th there were some among us who thought we ought to drop some projects or cut them down because of the economy. No one is clairvoyant. Nobody is divine. Nobody knows. And that was our best judgment. And I'll tell you something about the group that makes up, makes the decisions and how that works in the moment. And so it worked out last year that there was a relatively significant amount of overflow. And some of you who have followed ASI know that our offerings typically will go in the neighborhood of $1.5 million up to maybe $5 million. If we have a $5 million offering, it didn't all happen in that room. You understand that, that we, that some of that money was pre-funded for some specific goals like the one-day structures that are, you know, it's a powerful need and a powerful project. And the DVD, you know, some of those are really, and they help, by the way, to bring up the, what we call the small givers. And I don't mean to, I don't mean to, I just mean to tell you what the kind of the dividing line is. Uh, a big gift in our parlance is $25,000 and up, okay? A small gift is below $25,000. We get about five or 600 people who give us money at an, at an offering. The small gifts, that's up to 25,000, make up about, it varies, but from 400 to 700,000. And, and from four to 700,000 on up to what comes in is made up of, quote, the big gifts. And so there is a considerable element of um, uncertainty of what's going to take place. And But that's the process. We get the applications. I personally summarize each one of those applications. I'll spend about an hour with each one of those applications. And I'll take that application and put it into a significant paragraph. Before our board meets, at the end of February, those, I, I handwrite them out. I can do it better that way than I can with a computer. 
and it goes back to the, to the ASI office and they input them and bring them back out to me to take a look at. About the 1st of February, that process is completed and they're sent to our board, ASI Missions Inc. board. It's a board composed of 18 people. There are four employees of the North American Division that sit on that board, and there are 14 lay people, people of significant experience. And they look into them carefully, and they will call me and say, I would like, I've read your summary, and I would like to know about Project 21 and 27 and 24 or whatever, and I'll answer their question. We meet together for two days to go through the process of selecting out of the 100 applications or so that we get, the ones that we wanna, we have no predetermined number. We don't say we're, gonna, we're going to fund 27 projects or 37 or whatever. We don't, no one has that presupposition but it works out that it's about a third of the, of the projects that come. At that meeting, we have available your original application. And typically, someone will check many of them and see whether or not the summary that I've provided them, an executive summary, is accurate whether we've understood it. Sometimes we get things in the application we don't know what you meant. And we'll call on the phone and say, tell us about thus and so. And that's the process and over what we do, we go through each of the applications. Everyone has, everyone has read the summaries and we go through them one at a time and spend whatever time is necessary. I told you that if you were on that committee, the first one-third is easy. Someone asked for $5 million, I don't care, there's no possibility of that project being considered. If it's a local church asking us for carpet, it's not gonna be considered. If, uh, because we don't fund for local churches and we don't fund for operating expenses of, a, of a, an organization. Well, what do we fund? Let me, let me read you a couple things. This is, uh, this is the ASI Constitution and Bylaws. This is our guide. The objective of the association, that's ASI, is to encourage and promote the development and operation of institutions and enterprises owned by Seventh-day Adventist laymen throughout North America to encourage Seventh-day Adventist church members in privately owned enterprises and various types to unite their efforts with denominational enterprises in the furtherance of the gospel. That's what we're after. The people who can apply to us can be a church entity.
Southern Adventist University is, is in the funding mix. This and 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 there's a there's a reason why when we fund a, an organization, there's a pretty good reason why we do it. Uh, a nonprofit corporation, properly set up, that's not a member of ASI is eligible to apply. You don't have to be an ASI member to apply. It may get you some credit if you are, you know. Or an ASI member, we don't fund individual personal projects, you understand that. If a person says, I'm a lay person, and I'm doing missionary work out in my church, and I have this idea, and I'd like for you to help me buy the land to set something, we're not going to fund that. Because our money from a 501c3 nonprofit charity needs to go to another similarly qualified organization. You understand that? Um, we fund typically probably 20% of our, our recipients are foreign uh, out of the United States. We look at those. I did a little breakdown going through this year's uh, organizations. And educational, health, and evangelism are the three most likely recipients. Those, those kinds of ideas. The, I want to read you something out of the bylaws of ASI Missions, Inc. ASI Missions, Inc., as I explained to you, is the arm of ASI, and it's linked to ASI in this way. The board of ASI, Norm, uh, Norman Wright's the president, he chairs that board. That board made up of your chapter presidents and other officers, and about six or seven church employees is the board. They are the constituency or membership for ASI Missions, Inc. You understand that, how the church works. They have inter one organization supplies members and constituency for another, and the ASI board controls the makeup of the membership of the ASI Missions, Inc. board. That's how we're linked together. Here's what the preamble to the bylaws of ASI Missions, Inc. says. The overriding purpose for the existence of this organization, that's ASI Missions, Inc., is to promote a cooperative assistance between Seventh-day Adventist lay people with the Seventh-day Adventist church organizations to spread the gospel. The objective is to be accomplished by the ASI Missions, Inc. effort to promote, fund, encourage, and implement projects and activities that hold, here's the key words, a high degree of success in the spread of the gospel. We're looking for ideas, and we're looking for innovation. We're looking for something that, that's likely to work, you know? And so, uh, and the, the uh, supporting ministry guidelines as part of the policy of the North American Division of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and the General Conference as well, 
and they they set out here and in your hand is a uh, is this sheet now the ASI supporting ministry members must agree to these provisions or they can't be a member of ASI and they could not be funded by ASI what we're talking about the leaders of the supporting ministries shall be members in regular good and regular standing in the Seventh-day Adventist Church okay so when we look at the applications we ask you to provide to us the list of your directors and we ask you a question are they members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and good and regular reg is called regular standing now both the officers and directors and it goes on here the theological positions of the church of the ministry should be in harmony with them they should support and cooperate with the church and so we look we look in your articles and bylaws to see whether or not you have evidenced in your corporate documents that you are Seventh-day Adventist because here's the here's the rationale behind it if someone gives ASI an offering they're going to assume that that's going to go for Seventh-day Adventist purposes does it make sense if the, if the requirement is that the leaders of an organization are the ones that direct how an organization goes then it's it's within our notion and within our our own bylaws out of uh, every ASI member has to be a member in regular standing in their local church don't they to be an to be a a member of the board of ASI Missions Inc. may only be selected from lay members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So we're not asking anything of you that we are not doing ourselves. These bylaws were created in 1981 or 82 and I did them back then. And we think that the the mission statement in your Articles of Incorporation and your bylaws should clearly say that you support the message and ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Okay? We say that we are looking to see that your, your officers and directors are members in regular standing in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. More than that, we're looking... If you haven't done it already, would you do this? Would you just take it out and, and uh, turn it off? We're looking on dissolution when it's all said and done. And you never know when an organization is going to reach the end. Sometimes they reach the end and they got a lot of money. Sometimes they don't have anything, that's why they end. But very often it's because, or it can be that they ran out of leadership. And leadership is the key to the success of a ministry. So on dissolution, we said in 1983 when ASI Missions Inc. was set up that upon the dissolution of the corporation the board should and it's to go to a similar organization owned or controlled by members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're not saying it has to go to the denomination. We're not saying it, it can't. It may. 
but we're saying it should go to a similar qualified charity that is owned and controlled by Seventh-day Adventists. I think that our donors really want that to happen. I think they expect that to happen. Now the written application that we require, it has some basic stuff on it. Let's just kind of take a look at it. I'm going to skip over to this funding application page. You see this one? Okay. That's really, really an important one to be careful about. We want to know clearly what the organization's name is. The address, the phones, and the contact information. When it was incorporated and the year it joined ASI, if it's an ASI member. When it's incorporated is important to us because... You don't have a copy? This, uh, look on the back side, you know, it's, we're on both sides of it. We want to know when it's incorporated because it gives us some idea of the, is this an organization that just got started Wednesday? Or is it, we say it has to be in, a, in actual operation for a year. You have to have two full-time people to be a member. And we want to know what your assets are. What your property market value is and your liabilities. And we want to look, in the middle of the page, we want to know your budget for the last three years. Have you been running a budget of $720? Or has it been $720,000? Or $7 million? It gives us some idea of the scope of the applicant when we see that. And then we ask another question. We want to know something about the average worker's remuneration. We want to help people who need it. If an organization is being paid at community wages or denominational wages, that will not disqualify you, but you're a, a lag behind. Because if a, a ministry is made up of people who are living on a stipend of $500, that's more significant to us than to someone who's got an $8,000 a month income. I mean, I, when I said to you at the outset, I want to tell you what we're doing, not what you think we should do. This, the remuneration scale to us is important. And you may say, well, that's not fair, or whatever else you may say. But that's how we look at it. We are looking for sacrificial service. That's what we want to see. Because we know that there's a huge difference. You know, if, a, if an organization can fund all its top leadership at 75000 a year, now that's not big money for the world. But it's big money for supporting ministries. Okay. That's a whole lot different than some ministries that are, you know, really having a scratch to get by. And we want to know, we want to know a list of all donations of $5,000 or more for the last three years. We don't want to know your donors' names. We don't care about that. But we do care about if, you're, if you are taking in $5 million in donations, 
and you've got all dozens and dozens and maybe hundreds and scores of donors over $5,000 a year, that makes an impact on us. We may say, what is, what is the relative need? We're trying to spread the gospel. If you already have those kinds of resources in a, in a uh, donation stream coming to you, we are, if, we didn't, if we didn't fund that kind of an operation, it would be no assessment on our part that it was not worthy and doing good work. It just may in the balance of who can we fund that it, it was uh, something that, that we would take into account. Let's talk about, I told you, the deadline of December 31. That really is a deadline. Don't get it in late and then contact your friend who's an ASI Missions, Inc. board member and try to put some leverage on us. It won't work. In fact, it might even be resented. Okay? Get it in on time. You know, if you can do something Tuesday, you can do it Monday. Almost always. It just is a case of making it priority. Get that application fully prepared into us on time. As I said, we go through a process of, of looking at it in January and February, and our, all of our board members get it in, in time to, to uh, consider it carefully before we meet. We met at Weimar this year for two days. We spent 15 hours in session evaluating these projects, 15 hours. And believe me, it's not easy work. Because the truth of the matter is that I said that one-third of the projects would be easy, almost every rational person would poof with a third, and then the hard part comes. This one or this one. That's really hard, you know. So what are we looking for? Let me give you the timetable on down a little bit first. We will make our decision at the end of February on a Friday. We'll meet Thursday and Friday. And we will recommend that to the ASI board, which has its board meeting typically on a Sunday. And they will, they never have rejected our recommendations, but they, ha they have the legal right to and capacity to, and they will, they will uh, ultimately select those projects. And then typically we send out an, a notice. We have deferred it this year and last year because of the economic uncertainty. We will advise those who have been chosen that they have been chosen, and sometimes we get multiple projects from the same applicant. They say we want to build a school, we want to buy a van, we want to fund the, the printing press or whatever it happens to be. And we may choose one over the other. We typically do. And, and then we will write a letter to those who did not receive it. And the letter typically to those who do not receive it does not contain any reason. I couldn't quantify the reason. We vote. We vote in a democratic way, 
we don't include in our process. Um, uh, this is uh, application, and the answer is no. We don't take to the next step. Why is it no? I don't know. You know, I, uh, I, I wouldn't tell you if you, if you asked me what the discussion was, because it's a confidential discussion. But I may have some sense of, you asked for $5 million and it was easy, you know. But if, if it's in that, the hard part is if it's in that group of, of two-thirds and we're picking one-third, there, no, there is no good answer. The truth is that this one is as good as this one. But, uh, and there is a, there is a, a sense of serendipity, you know, about it. There is. And there's no way that anyone could say to you, and we don't say to you, why you were not funded. Because we don't ask that question. The board never took that kind of a vote. And it would be one person's supposition as to why. I may have my own sense of why, and I've given you some examples of it, that it's someone, someone made an application to us for uniforms for a Civil War reenactment. <laughs> you know? And we didn't fund it. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? It, it, it gets to the, the hard, the really difficult thing. And, and uh, our board is a pretty capable and willing to speak up and be heard about what they like and they don't like. They're concerned about this. One of the other things that in the application that we're looking at, down at the bottom, uh, we want to know outstanding debts of 60 days or more. What's that tell you? If you have a bunch of debts that are 60, 90, 120 days, 100, does it tell you that you may not be in business? Huh? That's why we ask that kind of a question. It gives us some clue if the operation is solvent and, and, and functioning. And then down on the bottom, take a look, we say, the amount requested from ASI. We want a clear answer. If the, if, the, if the project budget, if the project budget is, let's say, $75,000, then we, the next one is current funds, funds available. How much are you putting into it? That's important to us. Someone who asks us for $5 million and he wants us to pay it all and nobody else is paying anything, you get it. If you're asking us to fund any kind of a project and you're not putting in anything and nobody else is, that's a good way to be turned down. Because it, there's some significance, there's some significance in the fact that somebody else has affirmed you. Is that right? Yes. Someone says, I. I like what they're doing. And they may say, if you can raise 20,000, I'll give you 20,000. That's significant to us. Or 
if the organization is saying, we've taken up a collection among ourselves, and we have $5,021 to put to this project. That's significant to us. Okay? So current funds available, total project budget. What's the whole thing going to cost? And when are you going to do it? Expected launch date, and when's it going to be completed? This is significant as I tell you the rest of the timetable. We get your application by December 31. We consider it by February 28. You're communicated with by uh, another month after that. And then we have our offering tomorrow. And people will hand in an offering pledge, or some of them will give us checks, some will give us money tomorrow. Most of them say, I'll pay you later, okay? So we say, we'll pay you when we get paid. So typically, typically we have about half of the money comes into us by the end of the year. And so it is likely that the first half of funding will be paid by December, okay? And the next half will be paid if it, when it comes in, typically maybe May or so forth. So if you have a project that you've applied for and you're going to need that, all that money in September of 2010, it's not going to work. Get it? If you need the money next month and we don't get the money till later, it can't happen. So that timing is an important thing. So it may be that you need to apply, you needed to apply the prior year or you need to put off your project. Because we ask you that question, we, we want an answer to it that's, uh, that's honest and accurate and so forth so we can be guided. Now, we ask questions about who you are. I've said to you, we want to know who your directors are. Because within our Adventist circles, we probably know some of your directors. Somebody probably knows them. You know, what do you think about that? Hey, a guy does what he says he's going to do. Or that lady gets it done. Or whatever. And we know that the key to any organization is leadership. If you don't have leadership on your board, and you don't have leadership in your offices, officers, it's not going to succeed. If you do have good leadership in those in the board and in the people who actually run the ministry from day to day, if you have good leadership, then the likelihood that what you are asking for will become reality. Isn't that right? Amen. So we're interested in that. And we look over your articles and bylaws to see how you function and whether you have these four criteria of the mission and your, your, your directors and your officers and your dissolution, if that's all in order, then we want to know what have you been doing? What have you done already that gives credibility to what you're wanting to do? And here is a key weakness in applications. Sometimes the applicant gets so caught up in telling what they want to do 
that we don't have a clue what you've been doing. We want to know both. We want to know you've been in, you have, your business and your operation has been in existence for 15 years or three years or seven or whatever it is. And during that time, you've established the school. You have 14 students. You have three teachers. And you graduated and they did good. Tell us about, tell us about why we should be interested in you. What have you done that makes us believe that if we fund you, it'll happen? We don't like to, we don't like to have failures, you know. We want to come to the, we want to come to the convention with credible uh, projects that are going to get done and meet our criteria of having a high likelihood of a success. Now, our uh, ASI Missions, Inc. Uh, preamble said, hold promise of high degree of success in the spread of the gospel. Now, this is, a, this is another, I think, significant point. What you're asking for may or may not be on the cutting edge of the spread of the gospel, but it may be something that is an, an essential part of your support and infrastructure to make it happen. So, you know, we don't typically like to fund automobiles. You know why? Because they're, they're worth 20000 today and 10000 tomorrow, and two years from now they're not worth anything. It's a very fast deteriorating asset. And though we need that, we know that vehicles are very important to a ministry. That's not what we like to do. If you ask for, if you ask for funding for a building, and we probably get out of the hundred, maybe eight or ten requests for buildings, we know what dormitories should cost. If you have one project for a dormitory approximately to house 30 or 40 young people, and it's going to cost $75 a square foot because the, the ministry is going to put staff and students into the work. And another similar application costs $250 a square foot. What are we going to do? You know what we're going to do. We're going to go with the, the one where the ministry is putting in its own sweat. And the kids are getting the experience of... of um, uh, of doing something in a practical way and contributing to it, and the staff is involved. And so uh, we take a look at that sort of thing. If the request to us appears to be luxurious and a $250 square foot architecturally perfect building may be perfect for someone, but it's not going to get funded by us. Okay? We're, we are going to make a... We're going to make... Because we'll have we'll have a half a dozen choices of equally deserving ministries. And sometimes the math is wrong, you know? And it looks like $250 a square foot, and they, they forgot to say that that was for both halves of the project, they're only asking for one. That happened. And so be very careful in what you do that your math makes sense. And that it, 
and it's something realistic that, that can happen. Now, our questions in the summary form on what is your outstanding indebtedness, what are your liabilities in a general question, and then what is your, uh, your, uh, your payables? Are they 120 days or is nothing over 60 days? Uh, that's important to us. We want to, we want to have a financial statement from you. We want to see um, what your board is looking at, what, what the true financial picture is of your uh, operation. Now, I'm not saying we've never funded a, a failing organization, but we don't fund it deliberately. You know, that's because it's obvious that if the project doesn't make it, it may have been a wonderful project, but if it doesn't make it, then we've not done our job and we really haven't helped you as a funder. So uh, we're looking at your, your financial statement we, and, and your donor base and what are your other sources? How, you know, very typically it is a rare application. It's a rare application where we uh, fund 100% of what's asked for. And some projects can't make it unless they are fully funded. You know, you can't buy half a car or a half, you know, you may buy an older car or whatever, but some things need to be fully funded in order to make it go. And I would say that there is a, that's an element to us. Well, if we don't do this, is this project gonna go forward? Or is this critical to it? And if we can only, if we can only fund a third of it, is that gonna be a trick on you? That you can't, you can't get the other, or it might, uh, it might give you a base for getting help from someone else. Well, ASI has agreed to give me a third, and maybe that'll help me raise some more money, but we're interested, we're interested in what other sources will you have to carry this thing through? When I said to you before, don't get so caught up in describing your immediate need that you forget to tell us about what you have done before. It's really important for us to know about your prior successes. And uh, you want to be true about that, too. Don't, don't puff, you know. It, uh, and, and to answer the question for us, where is this ministry going? You know, what, uh, what, are your, what are your likely prospects for, for uh, not just surviving, but for what's the next step and so forth. So we want to know not only the details of your project and sell it to us in a way that's honest and makes sense and, and how that will enhance the ministry that you're carrying out, but also tell us that you know, on the basis of what we have done, that we have a wonderful reputation in the community. We have helped 146 troubled youth, and they're out of our program, and 
two-thirds of those are making it in high school or college or whatever, if that happens to be what it is, or that you, had, you operate a, a health center and the health center results in significant numbers of people who are off of insulin and, and uh, really enjoying uh, better health and a few of them saw in you Jesus and wanted to know more about it and four people were baptized. That's the kind of information that's important to us. We want to know, are, are you really making a difference in the place where you're at? Is it, is it worthwhile? And, uh, you know, and another thing, what's your reputation? You know, reputation is easy to lose and hard to get. And so if you have a reputation of doing good and doing well, it gets around. And if, you know, you have a reputation of uh, not carrying through on someone gave you some money and it was for this particular nice project and you said, I'd rather have a new van, you know? That's a, a lack of integrity, isn't it? Okay. So your reputation is important. And, and we, uh, you know, in a group the size that we have, um, we want to, we want to, we want to work with winners. Does that make sense to you? We want to work with winners. And um, if someone has done well, they are likely to what? To do well. Is that an unfair thing? I don't think so. I think if, if and, and I know you've got to start somewhere, you know. But establishing a reputation of credibility is exceedingly important in not only the success of your ministry, but getting funding from ASI. So that's one of the things that uh, you really want to work at, and maybe you, you can't uh, assure that at the time that you make your application, but in your life's experience, that's what's going to that's what's going to really make a difference. As I said to you, the most likely range to get funded is if your hundred your request is under a hundred thousand dollars. If you look at the if you look at the projects that are in our program, and you 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 averaged them up, they would be in that mid-range. And uh, I know it's a tempting kind of thing. Sometimes I think some of you see projects like the DVD who may get m multiple hundred thousands of dollars or the, the roof project and you think your project is every bit as good as that one. 
the fact that you may be missing, and I've tried to tell you that some of those very significant ASI projects are, quote, pre-funded. You understand what I'm saying? That there are people who say, I am interested in the one day whatever, and I'll give a million dollars to that. You know, we have a, the, the one day church had a pre-funded matching fund that so someone could give $1,500 to be matched by $1,500 out of this fund to buy a church for $3,000. And that matching money of multiple millions of dollars didn't come out of that offering. It didn't come from there. So uh, even if you have a most deserving kind of project, but it's in that kind of a range, it won't happen. It just won't happen. Now, um, we've been doing conventions involving 3ABN, and I said I was not going to discuss anyone's application. But we have a relationship with 3ABN. They do for us a quarter of a million dollars worth of services. And they are typically in our offering. That's how this convention works. We have a Youth for Jesus project that is in-house ASI. Their budget is $192,000, give or take. They're in, that, they're in that offering. That's part of what ASI is all about. So, tell us who you are, tell us where you've been, Tell us why your new project's going to enhance your ministry and why it meets our interests and criteria of something that has a high likelihood of success in the spread of the gospel. That will interest us. Okay. I think it'd be a good time now to open up to our discussion an opportunity for you to ask me questions. And let me just, let me just uh, reiterate again our ground rules. I'm not going to discuss your application or anyone else's. Is that fair enough? If you want to ask me on concept about any of the process, I'm game for that. But, but uh, we'll talk with any of you privately about your application in the past. Uh, let me just give you a little, another little clue. It doesn't help you to buttonhole who the ASI Missions Inc. board members are and put them under the gun, okay? And particularly me. <laughs> yes, back there. And let me tell you this. You speak up and I'll repeat your question so we get it into the process. Great. First, thank you very much. Okay.
Yeah. Okay, we'll go through the time. We'll go through the timeline. Okay, December 31. We have to have it in the office, not at the FedEx store. Getting there on the third or the fifth. Okay, it that's really important. We're going to we're going to make a decision on that at the end of February. Within a month after that, unless we see some really spooky things on the in the world conditions. We're going to communicate whether you have been funded in the project for funding or not within a month. Uh, and by the way, any funding decisions that we make are conditional upon our getting the money. You understand that? If it doesn't come out of that, if we got, uh, we haven't had a failed offering in a long time, but if we got 75% of the total request, every, every project would be proportionally cut 75%. After, after we have advised you, if something comes up where you're not qualified, something bad happens. You go out of business, there's a, a disgrace, and we take you out, we can take you out up to about July 1, <laughs> when we have to print our, our program. We might take you out later too, but uh, but what I'm saying is that we go to press about July one on the program that you had, maybe a little later than that. The offering's taken up the sixth of August. The money comes in into November, December. We'll send out one half, and then the rest, of the half, comes later in the year. Now here's a very critical thing. Do you think it's important for ASI to ask for accountability? Yes. Okay, here's how we do it. And it's not perfect, but this is how we do it. In between the first funding and the second funding, you have to give us a report of how you spent the first money. Send us pictures, send us the receipts, send us whatever, and we'll take a look at it. Unfortunately, there are some who have gotten the money and said, forget it, we're, you know, we're too busy doing good to, to, to send you a report. Well, you'll never get funded again if you do that, at least in our memory. <laughs> See, so uh, we want and expect, and as a condition of the second half of the offering, we want a report. And then we want another report after you have spent the second half. And if you don't give us those re first reports, you won't get the second. And if you give us no report after the second, you won't get it again for a long time. Okay, question here. Yes, when there's a certain amount requested, yes. do you ever cut that down or you either reject it or take it on the requested amount? I would say that almost... 90% are cut. And the choices are these. We could fund, think of it this way, we could fund 20 projects at, let's say, 80% of what's been requested, or we could fund 37 projects at 50% or whatever. And I guess it depends on whether you're in the first cut or the second cut as to how you think we should do. But there are, we are wanting to help as many projects as we can. 
and this the small projects. Yes. What if what if you have like three projects, maybe about five, six thousand dollars a piece? Thousand? Yeah, about five, six thousand a piece, but you need them all to work together in order to make it work. Should we do three different forms or should we put them all together as one? Well, the question was if you have several projects, should you make one application for the sum of those three projects, for instance, or should you make three applications? I would say it would depend on how complicated the application is. If those three different things are linked together some way, one, if they are totally different, one's a book project and one's, uh, one's to buy a massage table, you know, different. Any other questions? Yes, Leroy. Uh, what does no, not Leroy, excuse me, Marvin. Yeah. I think you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Yeah. His question was, how about if some of the projects are not directly evangelistic, but may have to do with the spread of the gospel in, in, in helping people who have needs? If you look through our, if you, by the way, we have helped hundreds of ministries, hundreds and hundreds of ministries and about 30 each time, and, and they are vastly different. I went, as I said a moment ago, I went through last, this year's applications, and uh, probably seven applications related to media in some way. Uh, three or four related specifically to youth. Maybe 20 related to health issues, 20 to education, 20 to evangelism. Uh, three or four to agriculturally related. And so we're looking, we're looking at all the ways that the Bible and the spirit of prophecy tell us that Christians ought to behave in the world to win people to Christ. And there's a many, many different ways to fish for souls, isn't there? And so we are interested in anything. And if, it's, if it is highly likely to be successful, to impact the world for Christ, we're interested. Question. Yes. Question about accountability and timing. Yes. Let's say that I apply for a project in, say, December 2010. That means that the funding wouldn't come in until December, part of it maybe December 2011, right? Okay, let's say I plan the project for maybe March of 2012. When would I be doing accountability or when is the project Okay, the question was the timing of receipt of the money and the time for accountability. The application that you get to us by December 31 of any year will not be even funded at all almost till a year later. You understand that? Because the offering doesn't come in and we've got to wait for their checks to clear and all that stuff. And so we're looking for accountability in between the first funding and the second. The soonest you could get the money would be one year, one half, about one year after you apply, and the other half about 18 months after you apply. We want accountability in between the one year and 18 months, and then after you have spent the money uh, on the second half. Let me just say this. Sometimes things come up 
where the, the, the project becomes unfeasible. You can't get a permit from the county or some other, and we want to know that. We don't want to send you money if it's not going to work. And we expect uh, reliable information coming back to us. And we'll hold that project for a couple of years. And then if it ultimately is not funded, it'll go back into the pot. Yes? Well, uh, the, the question is, because of the lead time issue, how about consecutive applications? And we, I would say that uh, we get consecutive applications a lot. And it, it, there are occasions where people do not get funding, and then the next year they get it, or they may not get it for some time. And so uh, we're not offended. And we're not saying, okay, you applied last year and you didn't get, you can't apply this year. It's going to be in the pot. And every application is fairly presented to the decision makers. Yes, ma'am. Yes. The, uh, the question she has asked is, how about, how, how does a new organization just getting off the ground succeed in their application process? And it's not easy. And uh, I, I guess that, uh, you know, the, the God asks us to start where we are, doesn't he? And every, every activity has a beginning. And so do the best where you are, right where you are. And in six months, there may be something commendable about what you've done that, that, uh, that would commend you for serious app, uh, consideration on application. And so uh, I want to be frank with you. We would not fund a, the initial startup money to organize a charity and get you started. We, we just wouldn't do that. But we're going to be, if you are doing something that is worthwhile and is blessed by God and there are people who affirm that, we're going to look at that carefully. Yes. Okay, she asked the question, is it, if we have an application, are we interested in what the individual leaders have been doing as to whether they would be worthy of funding? And the answer to that is, of course, yes. Because a person who has been a failure is likely to be a... And a person who has been successful is likely to be... That's the answer. That's the answer. Yes, ma'am. I want to repeat what I think I heard. Okay. Well, let me, um, we, have, we have dealt with, uh, there was a time when ASI did not ask in their membership for the 
copies of the articles and bylaws and, and director lists. And so there are some organizations within us, there are some organizations within us that, um, uh, that have lapses, if you will, in their articles and bylaws on their requirement, and some have non-Seventh-day Adventist members in their leadership position. Now, this year we funded, uh, recommended for funding, a couple of organizations to whom we said, your articles and bylaws are not in compliance. Our board has looked at this issue for the last five years or so, and they're clear about it. And they want to have the articles and bylaws say what we said. They want to have the leadership of the organization's Seventh-day Adventists. And we would probably give a uh, organization, we, we did this year, we said, if you will make changes to your articles and bylaws, we'll include you. If you won't, we'll not include you. And so uh, when we said at the outset that what I'm here to tell you is the realities of the situation, not what you think we should do. And I know we have had people make to us a strong case for the goodness of some very credible non-Seventh-day Adventist board members in their operation. And I'm not attacking that decision on their part, but it may not bode well for your application to us. Okay, I think our time is up. Is that right? All right, you have been a good audience and thank you for coming. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.